Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, before we dive into the sermon, I do want to just say thank you again to all the volunteers that helped with the stage. I'm, I'm not a very visual thinker. Um, in fact, you know, there, there can, my wife Emily could change things in our house physically, and I won't notice for months, um, sometimes even years. But I, I noticed the stage right away, um, and it just, it just looks nice. So thank you all to, to those who did that and participated. It's very appreciated. If you're new or visiting, I'm Pastor John, senior pastor here at Stonebridge. And I also want to just make sure, Pastor Jonathan has talked a little bit about how quickly things seem to be going. I mean, we're, we've got Easter at the end of the month. Um, and I want to make sure you all know that next week is the time change. Have that on your calendars. It's already here. And it's, it's like an annual obligation that I complain about this. <laughs> it's the worst thing in our society, in our culture. You might think it's some other issue, but the time change is the worst aspect of all of society. And I don't understand why once a year we get robbed of an hour of our sleep because of farmers 150 years ago. I, I can't wrap my mind around it, but just know I'm praying for all of you this week. We'll go through this together. It'll be okay. We're in the sermon series called Journey to Jerusalem, where we're looking at this journey that Jesus takes, just a few stops on that journey though, but this journey Jesus takes to Jerusalem from Luke 9, 9 to Luke 19. And Jesus is going to Jerusalem because he is the Messiah and he's accepted his call as the Messiah. He's going to Jerusalem so that he will suffer, he will die, and then he will be raised from the dead. That's his call as the chosen one of God, the anointed one, the Messiah. And as we look at Jesus taking up his calling, we're also seeing, are, are there ways in which we can understand how to discern the call God has on our lives? Each of us has a call, but it's not always easy to discern that, to understand that, to hear God's voice and to follow. So we're looking at different ideas different practices, different concepts that might help us to hear God's call, make us a little more aware of what God is calling us to. So this morning, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And I invite you to hear God's word. Luke writes this. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, 
And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things being done by him. This is God's word. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have gathered us and that you have brought us together. We thank you that we are here to hear your word. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Help us to understand the ways in which you want to lift our burdens. Help us to understand the ways in which you want to set us free. Help us to understand how to use our freedom so that we can take up the call you've placed on our lives, that we can follow you, and that others would know of the hope we have in your resurrection. Lord, we gather here and we ask that you speak to us clearly through your scriptures, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Speak to us now. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I said, during this sermon series, we're looking at this idea of calling, the belief that each and every one of us has certain gifts, certain talents, certain character traits that God wants to use, and that God will call you to different situations, different relationships, different places, different times, so that you can use the gifts that you're given for God's glory. So you can use the gifts you're given to just help this world function correctly so people can see what it was supposed to look like and maybe get a glimpse through our actions, our behaviors, of what the kingdom of God will look like when it's established on earth, when Jesus returns, when the world is restored. Martin Luther had that famous quote that I've shared before, that milkmaids milk cows to the glory of God. However small or minor you might think the work God calls you to is, it's actually critical and it's important. And we all play a part with the talents that we have, with the gifts God has given us, so that others can know of Jesus' love, know of God's love through Jesus, and experience grace, redemption, and have hope in resurrection. Each of us has a, a calling. But I don't know if we always think about the idea of calling connected to freedom, but I think we should. You see, while each of us has a calling, we all also carry burdens. In the last few weeks, as we've been talking about calling, you may have had different ideas of the burdens you experience pop into your head. We all have burdens, things that hold us down things that keep us from actually pursuing God's call. Maybe as we've been talking about the idea of calling, an idea has come to mind for you of something God might be calling you to, but all of a sudden, some sort of burden comes to mind also. Maybe it's financial. Maybe there's an emotional burden, a relational burden. Maybe there's a physical ailment that you're experiencing or somebody you love that is tying you down and makes, it, makes you feel like you, you can't actually pursue God's call. We all have burdens, and I don't know what yours are. It's different for each and every one of us, just the same as God's call is different for each and every one of us. But what I do know is that Jesus wants to set us free of those burdens. Jesus wants to free us from that which holds us down. And the story here in Luke is a story of somebody who has a very obvious burden. 
This woman that Jesus heals, she's there in the synagogue hearing his teaching, and we're told that she is bent over. She cannot stand up straight. For 18 years, 18 long years, Jesus says, this woman has been unable to stand up straight. Her body is broken. This burden has weighed her down, literally, to the point that she can't live the life that God would have for her. And we learn from Luke that it's deeper than just the physical burden, though. There's a spiritual aspect to this burden that this woman is experiencing. There's a spirit that has been tormenting her for these 18 years. And Jesus attributes it to Satan, saying Satan has bound her for 18 years. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of 18 years, but I'm going to ask you to keep in mind that life expectancy was much lower in Jesus' day. So 18 years would have been an even long, or larger percentage of this woman's life. Think about how long she's been experiencing this burden. Think about the torment she's been enduring. Try to place yourself in her shoes and then think about what she must have felt, what she must have experienced when Jesus said to her those words, you are set free. In that moment, Jesus sets her free of this burden that she has been experiencing. Think about all the opportunities that are now open to her. Think about what that would have done for her life. And then realize Jesus wants to free each and every one of us of the burdens that we experience. Jesus offers us freedom in him from those burdens that we experience. But as I say that, I want to pause for a second here. Because I'm using this word freedom and we're talking about this word freedom. But it's such a loaded term, especially here in the United States. And I actually believe that when we talk about freedom in the United States, too often we start talking about an idol. That the idea, the concept of freedom, it becomes an idol, something that we almost worship, that we lift up to a higher place than it should be. John Calvin, the Reformed theologian, said that the human mind is a factory for idols, and we can take anything and everything and make an idol out of it. And cultures do this all the time, and I think we've done it with freedom at times. I also believe that the common idea of freedom in our culture is simply dead wrong. Oftentimes, people can talk about freedom. And what they're talking about is really the ability to decide what I want to decide whenever I want to decide it. Or the ability to make a choice that I want to make when I want to make it, free of any sort of outside influence. The idea that the only way you're truly free is if you're not listening to any other authority. But it's just you. It's yourself. It's your decisions, your choices. We create these little spheres around us where within that sphere we get to do whatever we want to do regardless of consequences or other people. I think that's a common idea of freedom and I just want to say that's not the biblical idea of freedom. And if that is your idea of freedom, you're actually going to end up creating more burdens for yourself and for other people. And I think in the long run, you'll be less free if that's how you think about freedom. 
The way the Bible talks about freedom is, is different for a couple of reasons. One of those is in the Bible, freedom actually begins with submission. You experience freedom not by deciding whatever you want to do whenever you want to, but by actually submitting first and foremost to Jesus, but then also to others. Let me use an example of this here. I'm going to use the example of marriage, and I want to say uh, marriage isn't a perfect example because marriages aren't perfect. But in its idealized form, marriage as it's supposed to be, when two people come together to get married, they actually give up the ability to make whatever decisions they want to make whenever they want to make them. They give up that idea of freedom that you see in our culture. You no longer can just do whatever you want to do once you get married, if your marriage is going to work and function properly. You have to consider the other person. You have to take them into account. And you're influenced by them. You're shaped by them. They become an authority in your life, someone that you have to listen to, that you have to take into account. And you're changed and you're shaped by that. And I actually believe you end up with more opportunity in life than if you just held on to the belief that you get to decide whatever you want to decide and make whatever choices you want whenever you want. You might give up the ability to make whatever choices you want to make when you get married, but what you gain is the confidence of knowing there's another human being who is right there with you in the midst of whatever you experience. What you gain is the depth of a friendship that can only be built over years and years and years. What you gain is being known by somebody else, knowing that you're accepted and in that getting a glimpse of the acceptance that God has for you. You see that by giving up the idea that I get to decide whatever I want to decide whenever I want to decide it, I think you actually gain more freedom when you get married and it goes well. Again, I know not everybody's marriage is that way and a lot of you are thinking, I know a lot of marriages that that's not the way things work. But I'm talking about the idealized form, what God had hoped for out of marriage. So let me use a different example here. Think about Jesus' disciples. When Jesus called his disciples and said, you're gonna come and follow me, they had to give up what it was they were doing beforehand. Peter, James, and John were fishermen. They were probably pretty young, but they were at least growing up and training to be fishermen. They could still do it here and there, but their job now was following Jesus, learning from Jesus, listening to Jesus, admitting that Jesus was the authority, that they needed to follow him, that they needed to humble themselves and learn from him. They gave up their ability to do what they want when they wanted to do it, the moment that they accepted the call that Jesus placed on their lives. But think about what that opened up for them, the opportunities, the increased freedom that they actually gained by submitting to Jesus. Now they're basing decisions not on just what they knew when they were fishermen, but they're basing decisions on the knowledge of the Son of God, the truth of what God was doing in the world. Matthew was a tax collector when Jesus called him. Matthew had to give that up. He couldn't stay in one town collecting taxes for everybody. He would be traveling with Jesus, going out, learning and growing, and he had to give up that role as a tax collector, at least partially, in order to learn from Jesus. 
But if Matthew had said freedom is me doing what I want to do when I want to do it without any sort of authority or consequence or considering anybody else, he never would have learned about the resurrection, the hope of the world. He wouldn't have understood. He wouldn't have had a first row seat at what God was doing in Jesus. And think about the doors that that opened up for Matthew. It's true for each and every one of us. Freedom isn't found in just doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Freedom is actually found in connection with others, in connection with the church, in connection with Jesus first and foremost. That's where freedom is found. And if you think that the root of freedom is not being influenced by other people and being able to make whatever decisions you want based on your knowledge, well, guess what? You're never going to learn. You're never going to grow. The only way that we learn and we grow is by listening to people who know more than we do, who understand more than we do, by humbling ourselves and being willing to listen to others, to be influenced by them, to learn and grow. Every single one of us listens to other people and learns from them. I just don't know how conscious of it we are. We all have authorities in our life that we submit to. I don't know how thoughtful we are about what those authorities are, though. And freedom is actually found in listening to Jesus. That's freedom in Christ. And I know we've paused, we've strayed away from the Bible story here, and I'm going to bring us back to that now. Think about this woman and this moment. 18 years, she has been bent over. This burden has weighed her down literally. And in this moment, she is freed. This should be a moment of celebration. It should be a moment of rejoicing. But this synagogue leader just can't get there. You see, this synagogue leader is used to being the authority, is used to being the expert. The synagogue leader starts to say, don't come on the Sabbath to be healed, everybody. Just come on the other six days. Think about the argument that he's actually making. We know that this woman was bound by Satan. So what he is saying is, you should have been bound by Satan for at least a day longer. You should have not experienced freedom for a day longer. At least a day longer. He's actually encouraging Satan's presence in the life of this woman because he's not able to realize he needs to learn. He needs to grow. He needs to actually understand what God is doing in Jesus. He needs to take up this opportunity to accept that Jesus is the authority, not himself. But he misses out on what Jesus is doing, and he doesn't experience the call that Jesus would have on his life because he's so used to being the expert, being the authority, thinking that he's the one who is in control. He misses out on the freedom Jesus offers. But look at the woman. Jesus sets her free. And what's the very first thing that she does? She praises God. That's why Jesus sets us free. Jesus doesn't just set us free from our burdens. He sets us free to a life with him, where we submit to him, where we engage with the church, where we are shaped and influenced by other Christians and other people. He calls us to a life of taking up the call he would place on us so that others can know who he is, so that others can understand the hope that we have.
He frees us from our burdens, but he frees us to a life of discipleship, following him, listening to his call. And I think until we realize that a selfish idea of freedom that is just rooted in what I want to do when I want to do it, until we realize that that's not what the Bible is ever talking about, I think it's harder for us to take up the call Jesus would have. If you think that you making decisions without any sort of outside influence is what leads to freedom, you're always just going to make the same decisions over and over and over again, never learning, never growing, never learning from mistakes. Freedom in Christ begins with submission. Jesus' disciples, they, they learn this. As they go on after the resurrection, they follow him. They take up this call and they submit to one another. They don't just make decisions on their own, but they listen to one another. They have councils. They have committees. And they listen to one another. That's where freedom is found. So Jesus wants to free you. But I want to ask you, how would you use that freedom? What will you do when Jesus lifts a burden from your life? When Jesus takes away something that is weighing you down, how will you use that freedom? Will you use it for yourself? Or will you realize Jesus has freed you to be a blessing to others? Freed you so that you can help others know who he is, that you could take up the call that he's placed on your life. How will you use your freedom? Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you want to free us. We thank you that you want to ease the burdens in our lives, Lord. And we know that we experience relief in that, but we also know you lift our burdens so that we can take up the call you place on our lives. You lift our burdens so we can be a blessing to others. You lift our burdens so we can follow you and submit to you and hand over our own authority to you and to others, Lord. Help us to not live under the illusion that we're never shaped or influenced by anybody else, that there's no authorities in our life, but help us to be mindful of the authorities that we do accept. Help us to be mindful of what it is that's shaping us and forming us. And Lord, when it doesn't match up with your character, help us to submit to you instead, always.
but Jesus.